Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio from the CEP Network. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and hit that subscribe button and give us that five-star rating. And while you're at it, give us a like and a share on the socials and tell all your friends about the variety you get right here on the CEP Network. In this episode, Patrick and I chat about UFC Fight Night from last weekend. We dive into the assault charges being filed against the McCloskeys from the St. Louis protests. And we tell our thoughts on the education system from high school through college. If you'd like to get a hold of Patrick Blair or myself, you can reach us on the social medias. You can reach us on the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. And if you have any topics you'd like to hear us cover about music, sports, or pop culture, email us at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. Now, let's get into the episode. And we are back with another episode of Raised on the Radio. I am Colt Brocato. My good friend, Patrick Blair. Uh, let's talk fighting. Let's start with that now. Last UFC card. Benavidez versus Figueredo. Is that right? Is that how you say his last name? Figueredo. Yeah. I feel, uh, I feel, like, you always, good to me. I feel I like you always judge me whenever I say things wrong. When I say fighters' names wrong. For a white guy, you did pretty good. Thanks. I appreciate that. Proud of you. So you told me that your heart hurts for Benavidez. Yeah, man. I mean, I like him and, you know, everyone says that he's a, one of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet and Seems really like good it. for the fight game because he's a nice guy and, you know, works really hard and just a positive example for not only for the UFC, but for MMA in general. And, you know, that was his fourth time fighting for a title in the UFC, his fifth time fighting for a title for a major organization. He once upon a time fought for the WEC oh, really? bantamweight title and lost to Dominic Cruz. So, you know, he's 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 going to go down, and I mean, he's not going to get another another title shot after this. I mean, he's thirty five years old, so the you know, there's no road back to a title shot. Um, I mean, why do you say that though? Because I mean, regardless, I. I if he's if he just had a title shot, that means he's still top of the rankings. He will be, but he's been finished twice in three actually three times in title fights in the UFC. It's not a good look. And and so when I say that, again, my heart hurts even saying that. Like I'm not saying that to like um, you know, uh demoralize or minimize anything that he's done, but he just hasn't looked good in those title fights, you know. He fought to a split decision against um, Mighty Mouse in the you know the inaugural uh, flyweight title fight for the UFC, which is huge. Close fight, looked looked good. You know, could have gone either way. Um, you know, and everyone kind of said these two are going to fight again. Um, and then two fights later, he's back in the same spot, facing Mighty Mouse, and gets just devastatingly KO'd in the first round. I mean. One shot out, done. Forget about it. And then you know the first fight with Figueredo, it's the first, uh, second round KO. You know there was the headbutt. So that you know a lot. The, the whole reason we even saw that fight on Saturday is because the first fight Figueredo didn't make weight. Right. And then you know the way he won, it was sort of controversial. There was a accidental clash of heads that opened Benavidez up really badly. He was clearly concussed from the headbutt, and then he got KO'd. Saturday, he just got he got dropped three times, and then it was the first time he's been submitted in his career. I I now, would give him he pro- didn't he didn't submit. That's the problem. Yeah, he didn't submit. 
he didn't tap out. He just went unconscious. Right. But it's the first time he's lost by, you know, um, submission like that. So like, um, I would give him props for, because the same, I mean, he was going for the rear naked choke, what, five times before he actually got it. Oh yeah. He fought it off uh, quite a few times. And you know, the dude's a seasoned pro. Like he's going to go down. Like I was going to say, he's going to go down as one of the best fighters in UFC history. Just, to never win a title. I still have Cowboy over him, but he's like probably number two after Cowboy. Um, so I would do, put do, Alistair, do you think Alistair it, him up there, but like, do you think it's a nerves thing? I mean, or do you think it's just another guy who just can't win the big fight or do you, or what do you, what do you think? Are you just thinking who he's, who he's matched up with is just simply better? Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think he, it's the big fight thing at all. He beat Henry Cejudo. And Henry Cejudo is going to, if he stays retired, is going to go down as one of the best UFC fighters of all time, considering right. his accomplishments. So I, I don't I don't think it's that. I just think it's bad matchups and just not, just had an off night and not, just wasn't his time. I, I, I mean, he's also, like I said, he's also older, you know, at 35 with all of the pro fights he's had in multiple organizations considering he's fought some of the best fighters in the history of the UFC and the history of fighting Dominic Cruz twice, right. Demetrius Johnson twice, um, UCA Formiga twice. Uh, you know, all these guys, Henry Cejudo, like I said, now Figueredo twice, um, for him to be that old and 35 is not old necessarily. It's the back end of where you want to be in your MMA career. Right. Um, but for him to fight a guy like Figueroa who hits so hard, who's younger, who hungrier, just on a roll, like it was just not a good time for him. I mean, that's I was worried about him. Like I, I just started doing MMA fantasy for money, and um, in my in in what I do with fantasy, Benavidez was a cheap pickup, so I I picked him up. With the idea that, like, well, not only do I want him to win, but if he does win, I'm going to win money. This is going to be great. Right. That probably was a bad omen, but um, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I just think it was a bad time for him. But my heart does hurt for him. I, he, you know, like I said, all things considered, I don't know him. I'm not, I'm not on the inside, but everyone says he's one of the best guys and he's really good for the sport. So, Well, the, the other side of what I said, though, like with him, you know, I said, why can't he have why can't he fight for the title again and i guess the main reason is is because it ufc is still a business and when it comes to even if even if figure figuretto uh you know wins his next say he gets two successful title defenses benavidez wins his next two fights whatever makes his way back ufc still isn't going to want a third fight with them two when figuretto already won the first two it just doesn't it doesn't make sense for the fans nobody wants to see it well, not only did he win the first two, but he won the first two in convincing fashion. Right. You know, if he wins two decisions, then we're talking about something else. But yeah, it's unfortunately he's not he's not going to get another title shot, in my opinion. Um, I'd be okay if he retired. Um, I'm sure he's going to want to fight again. I don't know how many fights are left on his contract, but. Um, there are plenty of fights to make for him. There are plenty of younger, sort of hungrier guys who know that he's going to now be the stepping stone to the title fight. 
So there are going to be plenty of guys calling him out, I would imagine. Um, so it was, it was funny before the fight. So I had the fights on and I was on Twitter and the, in from Davison Figueredo and just go with me here. I see a tweet and it's supposed to be a screenshot of a direct message from Megan O'Levy, who is not only works for the UFC, but is Joseph Benavidez's wife. She works for, you know, you, you know who I'm talking about, right? The brunette, I, I know, small, tiny brunette. She's I know really the, cute. Yeah, I know the name. It's all like the post-fight interviews and pre-fight okay, interviews. Yeah, yeah. And, that's his wife? I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, that's his wife. So it's a screenshot of a DM from Megan O'Levy that says, you can fuck me in the ass if you let Joe win tonight. Now, when I see this, immediately my blood starts to boil. And I go, there's no, I go, look, if this is real and he actually posted this, he is now my least favorite fighter. And I want bad things to happen to him, not only in this fight, but after the fight. Um, so I kept it open for a while. And then sure enough, like five minutes later, it got pulled from Twitter completely. So it was fake. It wasn't his account. Someone posted it. So it was a, it, everything about it was fake. But when I saw it, like, I went like, oh, my God, like, I hate this guy. Like, uh, my immediate, like, visceral reaction to it was like, I hate Davison Figueredo. I want but, him to fucking get destroyed. But how this was posted on his account, though? Or it was a fake no, account someone that somebody made, posted. Someone made a fake account. I didn't. I didn't look at the account. I just saw it, and then the fight started. Like whoever did it, the timing was perfect because they posted it. Boom! You see it, and the fight started. Like oh, okay. well, how it happened for me anyway. Okay. I see it in the fight starting, so I was like, "Oh fuck this! I'm pissed. Let's go, Joe!" Like I was immediately like wow. hyped up. Well, this is like this know? is this is the second time that this has happened to you. Like in the past few months. Yeah, because remember the whole, the Ariel Helwani thing too? Because there was a fake account that they changed like one letter in the in his name. Hel they made it like Helvani or something like that. What, yeah. was that. what was that about? Maybe Tyron Woodley. I don't remember. I don't remember what it was, but it was something big. I yeah, I don't remember. And I, I'm just curious. I don't know why why those kind of accounts keep popping up in unless they're just a trending thing. Well, I mean, it's good that they get pulled and they get like flagged immediately and they get pulled off the off of Twitter because like I even searched for it and you couldn't find it. So wow. that's good. But yeah, my my initial reaction was like, fuck that guy. Like, I hope he gets his fucking ass kicked. Like, that's crazy. But could you could you imagine? So like you've seen it right before the fight. And I understand that if you're a fighter and you're in the back, the only thing that's on your mind is the fight. The only thing you're worried about is the fight and you're not like on your phone looking at stuff. But could you yeah. imagine if Benavidez was Benavidez was in the locker room and seen that before he went out to the octagon? Maybe he did. I don't know. That's crazy. Either way, either way, it's crazy. But you know, I would hope that any fighter who, let's say it wasn't real, like she didn't really send that, but they someone that they know created that, like, hey, you should post this and get get. Don't do that. But that's crazy. That's that's nuts, um, but yeah, my 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 heart hurts for Benavidez. I mean, hopefully he bounces back and gets one or two more wins and can kind of ride off into the sunset on a winning streak. But yeah, was, um, and then Calvin Gastelum, I I don't know what's going on with him. He looked terrible, um, 
and I hate calling fighters terrible, but I mean, the way the way that he lost was terrible, considering it's a guy who, you know, took went five rounds without Asanya, beat you know Jacare, you know, has fought Chris Weidman, all these guys he's fought, and then just he got heel hooked and submitted quickly in the first round. Right. It was very weird to see. I, I don't know. And he kind of claimed like he was more focused than ever for this fight coming into this fight. And the quarantine was good for him. And I mean, he got in shape. And that's the thing though, man, as a fighter, any, you can be in the best shape of your life, be the best fighter you've ever been, but it's just the day. I mean, the day when anything can happen. I mean, you could five seconds before the fight start feeling crappy and walk into that cage and now you're screwed. You know, it's just things you can't really count on. Yeah. I mean, it, with him, it seemed to be a mental thing because um, Bisbing and uh, Paul Felder were like, yeah, all he's got to do is, um, you know, put his foot on Hermanson's, you know, uh, ass essentially and step through and he'll be fine. And he just didn't do it. He didn't move. He huh. just kind of let, he just kind of let the sub, the submission happen, um, and they made it seem like, oh, this is really easy to get out of. Like he should be fine, and sure enough, five yeah. seconds later, he's tapping. It was like, whoa. But um, yeah. Huh. I don't know. We got another card this weekend. I guess we'll wait to talk about that. But well, UFC is doing it, man. Like we're uh, we're a couple days away from baseball starting. Um, I think I saw today that three players out of over 300 in the NBA tested positive for Corona. So those are good numbers. And I think I saw like six of like over 600 NHL players tested positive or something like that. So things are looking up and all these guys are still in, you know, all these guys are still coming out on the other end. Fine. I mean, you haven't, see, you haven't seen anybody major, like, be in fear of dying or anything like that. Who would you consider major? Well, I mean, anybody in the public eye, whether it be a professional sports player or, you know, any of the celebrities that have tested positive. Yeah. So we need one of them to die no, for it to be serious? No, but what I'm saying is that... Don't <laughs> even don't even put that on me. No, what I'm saying is that Anybody that has been notable that we know of that has gotten it that does, doesn't have a compromised immune system or any previous issues, they seem to be coming out on the other side a few weeks later. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look. I. It's hard for me to argue against science, but um, it seems like. The narrative from the beginning is wear a mask, stay distance, and if you have compromised health, you're in trouble. So if you do have compromised health, by all means, do the first two things I just said, and then also quarantine yourself from everyone else who's younger and thinks they've got it all figured out. Now, I don't know if the latter of what I just said was ever said on a widespread <laughs> sort of level, but... Um, that seems to be the case. Um, I'm not going to argue with science. I'm not going to argue with people who are smarter than me. I never really have. My biggest thing this whole time has been, it really bothers me that 
to this day, no one is really preaching how to be healthier just in general. Right. Um, so when something like this happens or when it's flu season or whatever the case may be, how can you be a healthier person? No one seems to be preaching that narrative, which still bothers me, but um, I have a pretty decent idea of what to do to stay healthy. So that's what I'm going to do for myself and my family. And I know you're kind of the same way. So I don't necessarily worry about the rest of it. You know, I'll wear a mask. If you tell me to put on a mask, I'm going to stay away. I don't like you in my space anyway. <laughs> you know, I have this, uh, I have this wedding I have to go to. My buddy's getting married and I'm in the wedding. It's coming up in, I don't know, 12 days or whatever. But couple of my family members have been like, why, why is this ha happening? Why are you, A, why are you going? B, why is it even happening? It's like, well, he's my good friend and it's already been canceled once because of Corona. And I think they want to fucking get married right. and they want to have a wedding. They want to live their life right. like everyone else, you know? Um, and I think they're going to take the necessary precautions or as much as they can. And I think everyone else will. Are you going to wear a mask? I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm not going to be hugging people and up in people's faces, you know? Um, I don't know that I would be doing that anyway. You know, I would hug him. I would hug his soon-to-be wife to congratulate them both. I'll probably just go, hey, guys, love you. Congrats. Like, from a, a reasonable distance. Like, Yeah, but, I mean, you're still if, – if, if you're in the party, I mean, you're still – if there are there, is there other groomsmen that you're going to be up there standing with – you know, are you going to have to walk down the aisle with a bridesmaid? You know, those kinds of things. You're still going to have to be relatively close to people that you might not know. Correct. But I'll I doubt But I doubt they're going to want to see pictures of their wedding with people in masks. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it as well. I'll tell her to keep her mouth shut for the time that we walk. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, yeah, what do you do? <laughs> Don't open your mouth. <laughs> In fact, hold your breath. Can you hold your breath for 10 <laughs> seconds? Hold your breath. What can you do, man? Uh, Look, we we have... At what point do... We, I, I, I don't know. At what point do we try to live at least somewhat of a normal life? You know? Is this an I don't agree with half of the shit. You know, like Parsons today said, kids need to go back to school. They're going to get it. They're going to get it. And they're going to get over it. Well, what about their teachers? didn't seem to mention them you know there are irresponsible or there are people in positions of power saying irresponsible things and and irresponsibly sort of addressing the public about this and i kind of feel like they're not leaning on the, the proper people to make these statements i'm an idiot i'm no one so when i say these things i say it with look my intentions are i don't think i, I know any better than anyone else i'm going to follow the rules when i need to and i'm going to look out for myself and the people close to me, you know, that's kind of how we live life anyway. So right? what do you think about the, the school situation right now? So I don't know about like the St. Louis area, but I know like down around us, everything that we've been told is that several schools are giving parents and children the choice on what they want to do. Like there's three different choices you can pick from. You can either do everything from home online. You can do, you can go to school like normal or you can do like school two days a week and home the rest of the week. So, I mean, um, if, if you being a parent, if 
I mean, I know he's not that old yet, and that might cha- that might change things if this was five years in the future. But if he was going to school now, what do you think you would want him to do? It's either he's going or he's not. No. Period. I gotcha. Fuck online classes. Fuck that shit. I just you I mean, gotta understand. I was gonna say the, the, these- the biggest the biggest thing is that it screws parents' lives up. I'm not even worried about that. You're right. 100% you're correct. If I, if he were going to school today or in a month, whenever school starts and he had to be home, we would both be like, Oh shit. Right. You know, um, we'd have to figure something out now. Education and government subsidized schools has been fucked for so many years, it doesn't need to get compromised anymore with online classes. It just doesn't. It doesn't. Kids are not learning what they need to learn anyway. Kids are not getting educated in a way they need to get educated anyway. The last thing they need is to be able to stay at home and to have their all of their education taught to them online. If it were me and we moved into the house that we moved into because it is one of the better school districts in our state, if they go, hey, we're switching to online. I'm going to go, you know what? I'll homeschool them and I'll teach them myself because it's the same fucking thing. You know, um, I had a, I had a really interesting conversation the other day. We had a little family thing. We went to socially distanced, of course. <laughs> um, but, um, the subject of school loans came up and stuff, you know, my wife and I both have school loans. I think hers are <laughs> a lot more paid off than mine are. But, um, you know, this conversation of school loans came up and why they exist and why are they so much and why do, why do kids and why do young adults get into student loan debt? Well, it's very simple. It's because they can. You know, my parents' generation, when they went to college, there were no student loans. So if you wanted to go to college and you didn't get a scholarship, you fucking worked yeah. and you paid for school yourself, period. There, there, were, there were no student loans, right? you know, and what student loans have done now is they've allowed schools to jack up their prices astronomically so that you're fucked once you get done. Yeah, I got the loan. That's cool. It's paid for. But what do I do when I get out? You know, if student loans were taken away, all of these schools would be far more affordable we wouldn't have to worry about this whole mess, but that's never going to happen because the government keeps giving people money. I'm, I'm guilty of it. I mean, I still owe the government thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, you know? Um, and for what, you know, I have, I have those neat pieces of paper. Cool. Um, do they mean something? Sure. To some people, you know, what do you do if you don't have one? Well, that's a good question. That's a good conversation. What do you do if you don't have one? You graduated high school. You didn't go to college. You want to get a good paying job. So what do you do? Do you learn a trade? Do you, what do you do? You know? Um, so the convers- in the conversation, I kind of brought up like, look, I, I don't regret anything that I did. It was a good experience. And a lot of times I had a blast doing it and I learned things that I wanted to learn and I got to do things that I wanted to do. And, um, but from a financial standpoint, rather than being all this money in debt, what if, 
when I was, forget about 18. When I was 18, I didn't know what the fuck I wanted to do. I was a fucking moron. <laughs> I was a child. Um, let's say when I was 20, if I go, you know what? Maybe I want to go apprentice with a carpenter, right? Carpenter who owns his own company. I want to apprentice. I want to learn the business. And then I become a carpenter. Say I join a union or I don't, whatever. Make a decent living in our state, in the state of Missouri. You know, carpenters make pretty pretty decent living. They do okay. Right. Holy shit. Not only did I do that, but I did it for free. And now I earn a decent living. I don't owe the government any money. I'm not in debt to anyone. And maybe you would have been in debt to the person, perhaps when you started your business or the person you were working with, because they made some sacrifices for you. But at, at the end of the day, you, you're not in as much debt. I go, wouldn't that have been something that should have been, at the very least, said was a possibility to me? You know, when I graduated high school, was it college or nothing? You either go to college or you're going to fucking get a menial job and work your way through life, right? So that's what you're saying that school taught you? No, I'm saying no one did. I'm saying someone, why was there no one saying okay, that was an option, you know? That's something that I'm thinking about now as someone not only who's in a ton of debt, but now has a kid. I would like to give him some sort of life lesson like, hey, I would love for you to go to college. However, there are other options. No one, no one was really, and I don't put my parents at fault on this. I'm just saying in school, in high school, and you know, there were no guidance counselors being like, hey, go fucking intern or apprentice somewhere and learn a skill and see if that skill works for you. If it doesn't work, then you can go to college. Like no one was saying that. And to be honest, no. I, I'm seeing that more now more than ever. Like even with where I work, uh, you know, they have programs through where I work that deal with school, the local schools and the you know push them towards like trade schools and stuff like that because there are kids out there that college is just not an option. Even with you know student loans and stuff like that, it's not. It's just. See, but, not, let me, it's, but that's the question I ask, though. Let me stop you real quick. I'm sorry. You're gonna, but go why is it not an option? See, this is this is the, I think this is the the fundamental problem with what's going on. Because of what? Why isn't it an option? Oh well, okay. I guess it is an option, but I mean, it's not an option as far as financially. These, no, no, I'm not even talking financially. I'm talking like grades or just the, these are. Well, these may be kids who just are not going have barely succeeded to make it to graduation. They're not going to make it through college also. And then they've got all debt on top of that as well. Maybe this is a very, well, let me ask this. So when do we give up on a kid? So a kid, a kid's 17, 18, they've coasted through high school. They graduated. They got a diploma. They've really never made mention of wanting to go to college. And because of that, we think it's not an option. So at that point, do we give up on them or do we make it a point to try to inspire them and motivate them to move to that next step? Well, I mean, that should be a teacher or a guidance counselor's job in general. Mm, but it's not. I, I think I think it's not. And I think the problem is, too, is that. Societally speaking, I think we've come so far as a, a society to say they don't want to do it then they're not meant to do it and it's like well how do you know when you're a kid you don't know what you want even if you when you're a kid you might not even want to know that you want to go to college it's very possible right dude when i was 16 
college was the last thing on my mind. You know, when you're 16 and you're a a male, not only your hormones shooting out of your eyeballs and your ears and other places, (laughs) the obvious ones, not only is that happening, you just got a driver's license. You have friends who just got their driver's license. Girls are looking hotter than ever, right? You're fine. You're finally figuring out who you are as a human, let alone forget about being a teenager. Teenager is just a term. I mean, it's just, it's just a, a number at this point. Right. 16 is a number. You're figuring all of these things out. College is the last thing on your mind. Right. I always used to say like, I look, I'll be the first to admit I'm really terrible at math. However, I would get so much shit from my family for like getting poor grades in math in high school. I was like, guys, I'm fighting off boners every day in algebra. I don't care about algebra. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, you don't understand what's going through my head as a 15-year-old. I don't care about algebra. I don't. Um, You know, like, so like, to to write off a kid when they're 17 or 18, just getting beyond that 16-year-old point where your brain is in so many places, I just feel like, I feel like it's a disservice to to the youth today. I, I'm trying not to sound corny, um, but like I, I feel like it's a disservice. Like I, I think, kind of let them be kids. You know, like I think we should do away with homework. What are we giving kids homework for? They spent eight hours there. So if you if you were doing a good job of educating them and really filling their brains and sort of expanding their knowledge why do they need to go home with the shit too do we do we take our work home as adults so why the fuck are we doing it as kids i mean yes you make a good point the better question is do we want to take our work home as adults right i certainly don't you you make a good point but on the other side of that is if you're a teacher and you know, what you're saying is, are you a good enough teacher to be able to expand these kids' horizons while they're in class? Are you able to teach them? But you're also one teacher teaching 20-something kids at a time, trying to get all of them to pay attention to you. And like you said, you got a bunch of them that are fighting off boners and stuff like that, not worrying about what's going on in the classroom at this moment. So sometimes homework isn't a bad thing because that may be the only time that they're alone with themselves to be able to really focus on the, the work, you know what I mean? Now, don't get my boner example <laughs> mixed up with the time to focus on the work should be in class. But here's what I'm saying. We can't just write kids off because they don't want to learn about boring shit. Algebra's fucking boring to most people. Right. It just is. You know, I don't think we should send them home with more algebra homework. It, it, it you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know what purpose that serves other than just making that kid despise the system even more, you know? And believe me, I don't have the solutions necessarily other than let's not give up on them so soon. Um, But also, you know, I don't think teachers should be complaining about kids that don't want to pay attention, you know, understand that that's normal. They've been there. They've been in that situation. Um, so I mean, inspire I mean, you, who you can but and you, inspire when you can, you know? But do you think it's every school system that that's an issue with that gives up on kids too easily? And, it, and, it, it, and, and I'm not saying you should give up on any kid at all, but 
at what point you're saying at what point do we give up on them at what point do we not like i mean shouldn't it, there's got to be a certain point with some kids to where you say you i mean like a guidance counselor has put in literally all the work that they can to try to get a kid to decide to go to college or to decide what they want to do with their life and they're just not getting through you know what i mean do you really think a guidance counselor has done everything they can to make sure a kid goes to college? I have no idea. Let's look at it. Let, well, let, let's let's I, do this. I, I will tell let's, you. I will tell you this: that I think that a smaller school system has a lot, a lot more potential with those kinds of things than these massive schools who've got thousands and thousands of kids walking through the halls every day. Yeah. So let's look up the national average for a guidance guidance counselor. Is salary. It a, is salary, okay. Yeah. So So the national average is $23 an hour. Okay. Okay. Now, in order for them to become a guidance counselor, they had to put themselves in an insane amount of debt to get through college. They get out of college and they're only making not even $50,000 a year. How inspired or how motivated would you be if you had right. that job to make sure every kid was going to college? I get it. In fact, I feel, I feel like it would work in the opposite direction. But, um, And understand, too, when I'm saying all of this, you're talking to a product of private schools, but here's the thing. I'm not special. I think everyone should be entitled to the education that I had. I don't even know if it was better. I have some public school friends. They talk about some of the stuff they did. I was like, Jesus Christ, my school was a waste of fucking money. My high school, a waste of, no, in fact, all of my school, waste of fucking money. You know, they talk about some of the things they did and some of the things they were able to, uh, to, uh, experience and learn and just, you know, the interaction with other students. And it's like, God, the, you know, I, at the end of the day, the, the, the education that I received looks good on paper. That's what you're paying for to get you that position. <sighs> sure. I don't know. But so, okay. So I let mean, me ask you that. So as far as like the job that you have now, how much of not high school or anything like that, but just college, whether it's from the very beginning of college till you graduated with whatever degree you have, you have a master's, right? Mm. Yeah. Okay. How much of the actual schooling that you had, do you like, give me a percentage of how much of the schooling that you had that you needed to do the job that you do now? Like physically needed to where, say you walked out of high school and you walked into the same position you're in now. Would you have been able to do it without some of the schooling that you got in college? Um, maybe. Maybe. But I'm a bad example because... I put off, I started college and then I stopped going to college and I kind of lived life and I had some good life experiences and then I finished college. Um, now I wouldn't recommend everyone do that because a lot of times when people do that, they don't and go they back. You go back. They don't go back. Yeah. Right? Um, I did. 
But because of that life experience that I was able to sort of to gain, I feel like it put me in prime position to just to go back and finish. But it also helped me for having a job like I have now. Um, and I've had jo- other jobs too in the past where they pay way better than the job that I'm working now, but I fucking hated it. It was just a shit job. Right. And I had to make a decision. Yeah, I'm, I have student loans I need to pay off. I have all this debt, but I got to be happy. You know? Um, so, so far in my life experience, money cannot buy happiness. <laughs> uh, not, not well, in some cases, maybe, but when it comes to your, your, your nine to five, uh, I've experienced that it cannot. Um, but I just, I, not, I just think that there, there's a lot of schooling and it might not be for everybody, but I think there's a lot of schooling out there that we don't need. Like, there are a lot of, uh, you know, we've talked, you've talked about uh, having to take like mu- different music type classes in college, like history of well, rock and roll to, and stuff like that. To. Right. But that's what I'm saying. But those are like, those are elective uh, electives also that you took because you needed to fill, fulfill electives probably. Yes. Right. So what I'm saying yeah. is, is that's not, those weren't required for that you had, that you paid for to do the job that you're doing right now. I think a lot of those first two years of prerequisites that you take, you don't need f- to go into the career. And a, and a lot of it, you probably don't need even to move into the next several years of your education. Yeah. Um, well, I think it depends on the major you choose as well. Um, as I mentioned, I'm terrible at math. I chose the bachelor's that I pursued because I didn't have to take any prerequisite or required math classes. My math class was, what was <laughs> it was something silly. I, I don't, to be honest, I don't even remember what it was. It was something ridiculous. Um, I'm never going to remember, but it, it was, it wasn't math. It was, it was something else, but um, that's why I chose well, it's part of the reason that I chose chose that degree. But I guess my whole point in this is that I don't think it's a good idea to give up on kids. Um, I don't think that they're I don't think student loans are the answer, and I think everyone should be entitled to the same education. You know this whole idea that um, we all have equal opportunity no matter where we come from, I think that's very evident that that's I think it's evident that that's not true, you know? Yeah. Um, so like everyone should be entitled to the same, not only education, but type of education, you know, um, the education or what's being taught should not change from district to district, school to school, public to private, et cetera, et cetera. Or teacher to teacher. Yeah. Well, forget about curriculums, man. You know, curriculums, Curriculums were created by the government so they can control cash flow. That's it. All of these public schools, they're all government-funded schools. We have failed. The government has failed those kids. You know, In most major cities like St. Louis and the metropolitan areas, kids are leaving school barely literate. 
So who failed? The kid, the teachers, or the people responsible for the funding for that institution? Well, or is it a you can you can combination of all three? You can throw parents into that also. That's an obvious one. But you didn't. I say don't it. even need to ask that question <laughs> anymore, do I? I'm just saying that that's a big back and forth that you see is that people, some teachers want to blame parents, some and most parents want to blame teachers when their kids aren't, you know, yeah, do, yeah. you know, working up to par or there or something like that. And I think sure. that it can be a mixture of both, and sometimes it can be completely one sided. You know, right? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, as a parent, I think you should be involved, but. Again, how involved do you want to be? You know that the, the, I I just feel like, and I I don't I, I don't want to be soft on kids either. Like I don't this I don't want this to come off like kids get consolation prizes. There are no winners. There are no losers. Like no, I don't think that there are winners and there are losers in life. Right? There are no consolation prizes. Um, you didn't win the game. You lost. I was keeping score. You lost, Johnny. <laughs> you lost bad. <laughs> you didn't do well. Like that, those kids were better than you. Period. Um, but what I do think is, as a parent, you know, there are the, like I said, fuck homework. Like, should it really be? A, I just think like the era of like a parent working an eight to twelve hour day, coming home and then checking on little Johnny to make sure his homework's done is just over. A, I don't think parents want to do that. Fundamentally speaking, and just yeah, where we are today as a society, I don't think parents want to do that. I certainly don't think a kid wants to experience that. I, I don't, but I, on the other hand, I kind of see that it makes a parent accountable for their child. Also, no, it does. You're right. It still happens, and it, it. But does the involvement really need to be all right? You're home now. Let's talk more about school, or should it be? Hey, did you go to school? Good. <laughs> did you <laughs> learn everything you needed to today? Okay, good. <laughs> but but forget about homework. Just an open, honest conversation about. Hey, what's going on with you? Not what did Mr. Johnson say happened to you today, right? As a parent, why would you trust anything a teacher says about your kid? Well, his behavior has been a little bit off lately. He seems to not be paying attention. And for real, um, for a teacher to like preach to a parent about how their kid is problematic me personally, now look, I've been that kid in the in the principal's office with the, the principal talking to the parent about me. But as a as a as a parent now, I'd be like, oh, how many? So you spend what one hour a day with my kid? So you know them. You spend one hour a day with them. So you know them. You know what's wrong with them. You know what's right about them. I'm gonna have to ask you to go eat a dick kindly. And never talk to me about my kid again. But this is also coming you know, from a parent who knows what's going on with their kid. There's a lot of parents out there that don't. When their kid is home, they're in their bedroom doing whatever they want to the entire time they're home. Parents don't have much yeah. to do with them. And at that point, yeah. you know, and those are the ones that when a parent or a teacher does go to the parent and say, hey, your kid's acting out or whatever, they're, those are the ones that really get emotional about it. Tell me, don't tell me how to t raise my kid when you're not raising your kid. You know what I mean? And, that, yeah, and no, the, I, those are the ones yeah, that are forced down the road where they're get they're given up on. Yeah, I just don't think we can give up on them. I don't want to think we bad, should. I, I know there's bad parenting. I know it. You know, um, 
we see it a lot in in the city that we live in um but i just i i think it's i think it's irresponsible for just on a on a on a a larger level just society to give up on kids who aren't necessarily inspired by the public school system that we force them into you know what's inspiring about it because it's something they have to do it's an obligation you know start school next week are you ready i'll get you your favorite trapper keeper and a nice book bag to make you fit in. Like what, what, what's inspiring about that? You know, right. like nothing. Um, I just aged myself completely with trapper keeper, but, um, no, actually, as soon as you said it, I was thinking back to the trapper keepers that I had. Cause I had some pretty sweet ones. Yeah. I had a Shaquille O'Neal. I don't know, but I had a Shaquille O'Neal one with, when he was on the magic and I had oh. a, I had a Brett Favre one. Favre. Yeah. Favre. Jesus. All right, so let's shift gears here a little bit. So you had mentioned I'm tired off- of being a bummed out or what? A little bit, yeah. Uh, so I'll bum you out more. Well, I mean, with the Klofskis, is that how you say the, the name? The McCloskeys. McCloskeys? Where did I get Klofskis? Mm. I don't know. Maybe is that what you said a while ago? It don't matter. And now a world famous couple from our great city of St. Louis. So describe their situation. So they were charged with a felony. Um, because if you, if for, for those listening that don't know, they were the two middle-aged <laughs> Scarface looking white couple in front of their <laughs> giant mansion, um, brandishing guns at protesters who walked down their street. Uh, the husband had an AR 15 and the wife had a semi-automatic pistol. By the way, she needs to work on her trigger control and her overall, position her hand positioning was terrible if you look if you look at the picture of these people do you think that that's the most the biggest thing they're worrying about is trigger control and hand placement on the gun they should so they we're lucky someone didn't get killed by them by that lady especially so were these guns legal have, were these guns legal they were legal the guns okay. were legal okay um but so St. Louis Circuit attorney Kim Gardner has filed charges against a St. Louis couple who confronted protesters with guns, blah, 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 blah. Mark and Patricia McCloskey, uh, the Central West End couple who confronted protesters June 28th with a rifle and a gun in Mayor Lyda Cruson's neighborhood have been charged with unlawful use of a weapon. See, now the word flourishing has been used, but that doesn't seem right. I thought it was posturing or something like that. The unlawful use of a weapon charge is a classy felony, which can carry a sentence of up to four years in prison. They're not going to do any time. They're both lawyers and a fine of $10,000. Um, now that they're not going to do any time part wasn't in there. I added that in. Um, so ultimately they've been charged with a felony for doing what they did. So now uh, their, un- their whole defense unlawful use, meaning what? Did they actually fire one of these weapons? No. Well, so that's the thing. So that the other problem is, is they can get charged with a, um, or they're being charged with a misdemeanor assault, fourth degree assault as well. So just the, the mere pointing of the guns at the protesters is why that charge is happening. 
But their whole wow. thing was they were protecting their property. They felt threatened, this and that. Were the protesters the, on their property or just going down the street? Nope. Nope. Just never, walking down never, the street? Never went on their property. Now, I, I've been calling bullshit and conspiracy on this, this story from the jump. So when it came out, so the the initial when the first few videos of this came out, when they were defending themselves, they said that protesters broke the gate down to get into the neighborhood. Not the case. There is video of them just walking through the gate. In fact, the gate was already open. Okay. Which led me to believe that these two idiots probably opened the gate and hoped they already knew ahead of time. Now, I don't know this for sure, but they already knew ahead of time that they were going to be protesting on the street because, you know, these Facebook groups emerge and they say where they're going to protest and what they're protesting and this and that. So they knew that they would be coming down their street and they opened the gate intentionally so that they could do what they did and get the attention that they got. How do you feel about my theory? Well, I guess the question would be, why would they want that? Do did they want to be in the public eye? Why do they want that attention? One hundred percent, they're they're personal injury attorneys. What better way to get your name out there? Did someone do you wrong? Well, guess what? We defend ourselves. Contact us at blah 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 blah. I'm just saying. Okay. What better way to get? clients now here's the thing clients of their type they're not going to get everyone right you know there was a story a week ago about how oh they've uh they've disputed they've had disputes with people before and usually it was about property yeah no shit they're wealthy white people that live in st louis why are you surprised why is anyone surprised by the actions of these two i don't understand what we're doing um they had to sue to get their house. Their house is the old Bush estate. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. So they had to file a lawsuit to get the rights of the estate to buy their house. Why is this shocking to anyone? Why is their behavior a surprise to anyone? Now, the reason that I brought this up is because they're getting charged with a felony. Now, People on their side are upset by this because they're saying, hey, they were defending their property. They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't hurt anyone. They were acting in self-defense and they were protecting not only themselves, but their property. People on the other side are saying, well, no one was on their property. So that's why they're getting charged with a felony. Which is where everything gets sort of murky to me. Okay, so here's my question, I guess. How many protesters, do, do we know how many protesters there were, like an average, or was this like a massive uh, group of people? I think it was a big, I think it was a pretty big group of people, yes. Because it was, it, because it, these, it's not the protesters that are filing this, right? Like none of the, it's not the protesters that are complaining. Well, the protesters complained, but no, the, like I said, the St. Louis Circuit Attorney filed the charges. Right. Yeah. So... Shouldn't it be like one count of assault for every single protester that was there that they aimed a gun at? 
if that's what the fi- the charges are? You would think that that would be the case, but uh, let me see. See if I can find. So, police executed a search warrant at their home recently and seized the rifle from the couple. The McCluskeys told police that attorney Al Watkins had the pistol seen in photos of the couple that went viral. Okay, so their attorney has the pistol. The couple pointed the weapons at protesters who were on their way to Cruzan's house, upset with her decision to say the names. Okay, whatever. In a statement, waved their weapons in a threatening manner at peaceful, unarmed protesters. So, Here's where the problem comes in, too, is you've got to think that those protesters are protected by the First Amendment, which is where this felony is coming from. Um, It is illegal to wave weapons in a threatening manner at those participating in a nonviolent protest. And while we were fortunate the situation did not escalate into deadly force, this type of conduct is unacceptable in St. Louis. The decision to issue charges was made after a thorough investigation. Okay. Um, so I don't know about the counts per every one of the protesters, but I think the whole thing's bullshit and I think they wanted this to happen. Well, that, that makes it sound like it's only illegal. Like it said that it's illegal to wave a weapon at people who are non-violently protesting. Like, so it's only, it, it, it makes that a separate thing than if it was just somebody walking down the street and they waved their gun at them. Like, is it still considered assault? Like, if one person is walking down the road in front of my house and I wave my gun at them, did I just assault them by law? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Huh. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. I think one degree is is more than the other, and I think the latter of what you said would be the higher degree of assault. Now, I don't know this for sure, but um, I, I just, the whole thing is just, I don't know why, again, I kind of said this at the beginning of when the protests started. We need to stop being so, so uh, like it just, I think we need to be, we need, we need to stop being so surprised at the behaviors from people that would be expected. If we just go, well, let's go ahead and think about who they are in what they do. Why are we surprised? Um, and I'm mainly pointing this out, you know, based on the story, all of the stories that have come out about this couple. And now I understand that this couple is on one side of the political spectrum and then there's everyone else, right? These two have been lumped into the Trump make America great again, red, you know, conservative side of things. I get that. But Let's look at it this way. What if these two had come out onto their lawn and did what they did, but for 15 to 20 years were self-proclaimed liberals and did a whole ton of work for the Democratic Party and all of these things? How would we feel then? Would we be surprised? Or would we wonder... Do they deserve a break? What do we do? The problem is, is I don't think it matters. Like you're, you're, you say we can't be, we shouldn't be surprised because of who they are, what they do. 
but being surprised and them doing what they did mean they're two different things. And like you, 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 you can lump them into a category of people who are this kind of person and they do this, but that doesn't get them off the hook for, because I'm not surprised they did that. Let's be very clear when I'm saying, let's not be surprised. Here's what I'm saying. There are two white people in their sixties that live in a giant mansion in St. Louis, Missouri. So why are we surprised that they didn't want a bunch of protesters on their street right in front of their beautiful mansion, almost on their lawn? Why is anyone surprised by this? What did you expect? Did you expect them to walk out into the front of the lawn and with a drum and a, and a, and a fiddle and uh, start playing along and, and, and joining the protest? Let's get real here. Let's, let's get real about what we're talking about and where we are and who we're talking about, you know? Now, it would have been beautiful if, if they did that. And I would shut my mouth, but that's not what they did. So because it's not what they did, I'm not surprised. That's my point. So you're, you saying, so you're saying being surprised and not being surprised doesn't change the situation and doesn't change, you know, doesn't change anything. What, what's happening. It's just people shouldn't be in shock or in awe that, the, that they would do this. It shouldn't even have been a story. So if, that's my point. what if... Uh, if if any of the protesters did walk on their lawn, same scenario, say they walked on their lawn, they had guns pointed at them. Is that considered trespassing? And would this all be yeah. different? But would this then all they be have different? the right to defend their property? Yeah. But is but is it still considered assault if they're not like because even like don't they say that even if you're being robbed or something like that, that unless they physically attempt to break into your house, that you can be the one in trouble if you shoot them. Well, shooting them you're and not pointing fear- at them is completely different. Right, no, but that's what, that's what I'm saying. What I, what no. I, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, we might not know, not know the answers. My, I'm just, my curiosity lies with, okay, they're walking down the street, they get a gun pointed at them, now this is assault. If one of them stepped one foot onto their property and they waved that gun at that person, is it still considered assault? Or is that considered I'm protecting my land, protecting my house, protecting myself? If it's trespassing, I don't believe it's considered assault. Now, if they just shoot somebody and that person wasn't harming them, well, or there different. was no imminent threat, then yes, they're fucked. Right. I don't know. I think I need to get myself into more debt and go to law school. It's always an option, man. No, it's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, hey, good for them. They're putting St. Louis on the map. Um, did you see uh, your boy Kanye going off the rails? You know, I've seen a few articles about it, but I don't know exactly what happened. Give me, uh, give me the lowdown. Um, so he was doing a campaign, and I'm using air quotes here, uh, campaign sort of appearance in South Carolina, I believe. And he just went on a bunch of rants, and it pissed a lot of people off. He said that, uh, I, I think the main thing that he said that, set people off were was that Harriet Tubman did not free the slaves. She just uh, sort of put them in situations to work for other white people, which really pissed a lot of people off. Um, I really, really hope that people don't take him seriously ever, ever. So what was the campaign? Not just about being president. What was ever. the campaign for? He wants to run for president. Yeah, but he's already ba- he's already backed out. 
No, it doesn't seem like it. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that he was too late in his candidacy uh, for most states and things like that. I'm pretty sure he backed out, unless this happened during when he was still planning on running. What worries me the most is that I think a lot of people would vote for him. Oh, absolutely. Because we're, in a, so, because we're in a social media popularity reality TV show life right now. Our current president exactly got elected. I get it because it's a popularity contest, right? Um, Kanye West kicked off his first president presidential campaign event in North Charleston, South Carolina, Sunday evening, a day before a day before the state's deadline to file signatures. But he didn't get enough signatures, hmm. so, um, yeah, he he talked about abortion and went into tears saying he almost killed his daughter about how his dad wanted to kill him but his mom didn't want to abort him and look here's the thing while some people think he's a good artist and i just used again harsh air quotes on that i've never been a kanye fan ever I'm never going to be um i think he's a big dummy um but it just goes to show how far art will let you slide with people because people should really look at this as like, this guy's not right mentally. He needs help. He needs help. He's on the verge of a psychotic break. We're witnessing it live, but yet we think it's cute because he's running for president because he's yeet. Yeet. So like we can't, I just hope that no one takes this seriously. Ser I mean, at the end of the day, like that's my hope. Um, because like you said, he very well could get serious vote percentages if, if, if it, be, if it gets to that point. What would, what would make him talk about those things in a campaign running for president though? Like why, you, why Harriet Tubman, like wh why would, why would he be throwing that into the ring like that? Well, remember he said that slavery was a choice. He's, uh, friends with Trump. He seems to be conservative. He's a conservative Christian, all of these things. He's fitting into the political narrative on the right. That's all he's doing. And also he's bipolar. He's a sociopath and he's huh. a dummy. He's a dummy. Do we really need another dummy? We love dummies here. Illogical, self-serving people. That's what we like. What do you think his cabinet would look like? I'm sorry, cabinet. <laughs> well, after you said, I can't, I can't answer that. Can't. It would go down such a weird. Um, so, yeah, he's he's out of his mind. Um, he also did say that the when it comes to the economy, you ready for what he said? The maximum increase would be everybody that has a baby gets a million dollars or something in that range. Bring it. I'm on his team now. Forget where, it. Where does... I'm, I'm pro Kanye. I got a baby. Let me get a million. I have two things to say about that. Number one is, where does that money come from? China. And two, do we really need the population to rise that much? Hell yeah. I don't think so. 
Hell yeah. It's worked this far, right? No. <laughs> oh, it hasn't? I don't think so. You mean, more, you mean, wait, we couldn't possibly be overpopulated. Did but you, when a did, pandemic happens, did you hear we're me? Fine. Did you hear my eyes roll on that one? No, when there's a pandemic, we do just fine. We can control the population, right? We're good at that. Speaking of other dummies, did you see what Nick Cannon, what happened to Nick Cannon? You look like a Nick Cannon fan. You seem like a, a fan. I don't know enough about Nick Cannon recently to know, like, I, I just I know older Nick Cannon. What does that mean? Like I, I haven't I haven't followed him in a long time. Like I know he's still been in the public eye, but I, I haven't really followed him like as far as like since I was in high school, probably. I mean you'll see him okay. here and there and you'll see stuff about him here and there, but So you don't know what happened? I don't. Is that what I don't. He got fired from all of his jobs. Um, at CBS Viacom because he made anti-Semitic comments. Okay, I, uh, I, I did see an article about that. So he's not going to be on the Masked Singer anymore. I no, did know. Sure he, I did know he was doing that. <laughs> of course you did. Of course you did. Do you watch that horseshit? I have. I have before, but I don't religiously. No, you haven't. I've literally seen two episodes. How is it? Great. I mean, it's intriguing, sorta. Who was the masked singer in the episodes you watched? I don't remember. It's been it's been it's a while. I don't even know if that's a thing, but I know like I think Ti won once, or not Ti, not Ti. Sorry, uh, T Pain. I think he won a season. I know Daughtry was one. Uh, Tommy Chong I, was one. Yeah. That's like the only three that I can give you. I stopped caring so fast. I figured I you did. I know. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> he made anti-Semitic comments, but it all, it, it was all because he had, he had professor Griff on his podcast. So I don't, if you, I don't know if you know who that is, but he not. is the, he is the radical, gentleman who actually got fired from public enemy for being too radical oh wow believe it or not um but he had him on his podcast and they were talking about race and it, it's funny though like he was racist nick cannon was but he didn't necessarily get in trouble for being racist against white people as a general concept it was more the anti-semitic jewish racist comments he made but he um the funny thing is is there's like sort of this outrage toward it and like i've i've listened to what he said and again like he just sounded like such a dummy like i don't know why anyone takes him seriously it's like when kanye says harriet tubman didn't free the slaves with his wrist going limp by the way it's like how do you take this person seriously he doesn't know what he doesn't know what he doesn't know whether he's coming or whether he's going. Right. He doesn't know whether he's in the moment or he's not in the moment. Right. He doesn't know. Same thing with Nick Cannon. He doesn't know. He's got a guy in front of him. He's trying to be cool. He's trying to be a part of the movement. And he said some dumb shit. And he tried to, he tried to sound you know, insightful and intelligent. 
He just sounded dumb. But he said that before the anti-Semitic comments, he said that uh, white people are the savages because they have no melanin. Okay. So he, so Nick Cannon has really been subscribing to um, specific, uh, like a specific movement of people, and he's been sort of like reading things by certain people. But there's this. So he read a he he what he said he didn't come up with on his own. It comes from a book um, that was written by this lady. Uh, oh God! I read excerpts of the book um, to see what he. Oh, uh, Francis Cress Welsing. So she's a she's a psychiatrist. She's a hypnotist at this point. Um. But she, she, she just, it's a bunch of rhetoric that's like pseudoscience. That's what she kind of regurgitates and regurgitates. Okay. Or that's what she kind of like preaches and he regurgitates it or he was regurgitating it. But talking about how white people became the savages because they didn't have the melanin in their skin. So they got uh, resentful because of that. So they started, uh, you know taking over people and owning people and this and that, which again is, is pseudoscience. There's no scientific proof to, as to why <laughs> things happen the way they happened. The reason that we don't have melanin in our skin is because we moved North of Africa, which is where right. everyone came. Right. We didn't stay in Africa. We moved to places like, I don't know, Ireland. And I'm pointing at myself and my stupid white face. Um, we moved to places like England and we moved to places. So, um, there's no sunlight and they went through, um, Siberian winters, our ancestors, and they didn't see the sun for fucking weeks. That's why we lost the melanin. Our bodies had to do whatever they could with the vitamin D. So he was just regurgitating this pseudoscience that this lady wrote about. That was the first thing he said. And then he got anti-Semitic. What's funny to me is, is like, he says that stuff. And he's apologized now, saying, oh, everyone knows I don't have any hate in my heart. Could it be because you work for Jews? Would that be it, <laughs> you asshole? No one's even talked about that. No one's even said that. Like all of the people criticizing him, all of the people coming to his defense, no one seems to mention the fact that, oh, by the way, you said some anti-Semitic things, but you're employed by Jewish people. The reason you are employed is because of Jewish people. No one brings that up. And it, it just kills me. Like guys like him, like they put a little uh, turban on their fucking head and they start making all of these comments because they read a few books and they don't think about what they actually do in real life. Now, again, I, I don't have any problem with you reading the books he's reading, um, saying the things he's saying. But if you're going to say the things you're going to say, own up to it. Like do they, do they, do they think that – since they're the ones saying it, the how they live their life or what they do in their life it is separated. I guess what like like him working for Jewish people is what you're saying. Like he never he, even like, mentioned that. Though. I know, but, I know, point. but that's my point. Is like he's he's almost acting like that doesn't matter, or people aren't acting like that doesn't matter. I guess because well, why would that matter? That's the reason that he's a multimillionaire. You know. And I've heard other dummies like him come to his defense and be like, he's brilliant. 
he's made all of these um, critical moves in his career and he owns all of the stuff he does and this and that. No, he doesn't. He's still employed by someone. And guess what? They fired him. So now guess he doesn't own that stuff anymore. You know, on top of a lot of the moves that he's made, it's not like he doesn't have people around him and managers and things like that, too. I'm sure that helped guide him along. I'm sure he doesn't make every move that he wants to on his own and doesn't come up with genius ideas on his own all the time. He's a genius. He's so talented. <laughs> I'm sure it takes a lot of hard work to host while and out. Is that still a thing or was it until I, now? I think it, well, it's not anymore. That had a but, lot of seasons, didn't it? Yeah, man. Super successful show on MTV. <laughs> anyway. Um, I don't know. So, one last thing. You know what we, we've gotten away from is your musical homework assignments. Oh, snap. Give me a quick report on your last one. So, we, we've only had the one. It was Project 86, but it's been a while since I listened to it. So what do you what do you want why what do you want by a report? Well, you sent me a text and you said you liked it. I did. So it was Project eighty six. The mm -hmm. record was drawing black lines. Yes. How'd you feel about it? You liked it. I did. And but but as you said, you thought I would because it was more up my alley as far as my musical tastes go. Yeah. Do you do you feel that way? I do. Who did you compare the vocals to? <laughs> and I disagreed one hundred percent. It pissed me off actually. <laughs> I don't remember. Fragile porcelain mice. Yeah, don't don't do that. Don't. I'm just gonna. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. Don't do that. Um. Do you want another one? Since I'm, I've brought it up and I'm thinking about it. Do you have one ready to yeah. go? Yeah. That so this is a band that I probably never heard of, right? Have you heard of Thirty Six Crazy Fists? I don't. Maybe. Maybe not. That's a no. Good. All right. So I want you to check out 36 Crazy Fists. What's the I want genre? You to check out. Excuse me? What's the genre? Um, so they, I guess they would be considered metalcore. So this is going to be heavier than Project 86. Okay. But the record I'm recommending isn't their heaviest record. Um, and they have quite a few records, and I want you to check them all out. But, um, so they came out, I discovered them in 2002. They put out a record, and they kind of got lumped into new metal a little bit. But I didn't really get a new metal vibe from them. I just think it was because they came out when they came out. Um, and they had heavy guitars and all this shit They kind of, got lumped into that so but so the record that came out after i discovered them is what i want you to check out it's called a snow-capped romance okay i want you to check it out report back to me let me know what you think so the genre metalcore for anybody who might not know what that is can you give me a like a well-known popular band that would be considered metalcore kill switch engage okay I think that's probably one of the better ones. Okay. Or if we're going sort of like more, I would say that Bring Me the Horizon started 
as a metalcore band. Yeah. Okay. I call them mallcore, but metalcore. Mallcore. That's hot topic core for sure. When they started. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So thirty six crazy fists, a snowcap romance. Got it. From two thousand four. Got it. Okay. I will give you my report. Every song is good. So I'm not going to tell you specifically what tracks are my favorite. Are you just hoping that when I tell you what my favorite tracks are, that they line up with you? I'm hoping they don't actually. (laughs) I have a feeling based off of our show and how things have gone up till now that you are going to have an idea in your head on what tracks I think are going to be my, or you that you think are going to be my favorite before I report back. Okay. But it's good news that you say that everyone's good because then I'm off the hook. And it's not one of those scenarios where I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. (laughs) All All right. right. Well, with that, you want to get out of here? Let's do it. All right. We're out.